Today, I want to talk about something that I like to call food pollution. And it's really prompted by this time of year. This time of year is marked by so much food. And patients are asking me about not only how to handle and manage our holiday meals and holiday gatherings that are, of course, built around food, but what about the noise? And by that, I mean all the extra stuff that has invaded our environment. The little chocolates and cakes, the candies and crackers that we find daily in the break room, in our workplaces, in the well-intentioned gifts by friends and acquaintances, even at the dry cleaners. This time of year, irresistible snacks are everywhere. And seriously, literally inhabit every space and every turn, making it seemingly impossible to avoid. In fact, we are lured constantly by sights and smells of these foods that beckon us to consume when we otherwise would not. We find ourselves reacting to these food cues when we weren't even thinking, wanting, or desiring this food. And yet, here we are, opening up another piece of chocolate or indulging in another brownie or another piece of pie. Why? If you feel like you're summoned into zombie mode and feel triggered by the sight and smell of these foods, which prompt you to react and consume when you would otherwise not, you are not alone. And in fact, there's an entire body of science around food cues. We are hardwired so that the mere sight or smell of food, insert warm chocolate chip cookies here, prompts a desire to eat. And of course, this is known as a craving. And of course, this is not hunger. That much is pretty clear. But I think even more important than that is that this craving did not even exist until we got poked and prodded, right? So there's a difference between you coming up or having the craving on your own versus when you are just minding your own business and here comes along this warm chocolate chip cookie polluting your environment with the sight and yummy smell and then finding yourself in this place where that cookie feels irresistible. That's a different kind of craving and it is prompted by a cue. And we know that these cravings prompted by food cues like sight and smells and even stressors or even a thought, so we can just merely have a thought of these foods, these can all create a condition response to food. So merely smelling it or seeing it, and I know you guys have experienced this, can result in a cascade domino of events, which include salivation and even the initiation of the digestive process. So just the mere sight and smell gets your body ready for digestion. It also prompts the rise of hunger hormones, dopamine, 
and total physiologic arousal, meaning that your body is now activated to consume. And this cue and this so-called domino cascade of events is mapped to the innermost part of our brain. So it's automated and automatic. Scientific studies show that when we are exposed to food cues for high calorie, highly palatable foods, aka super yummy calorie dense foods, we increase consumption of these foods as well as consumption of other foods, resulting in eating more and ultimately in weight gain. And I kind of want to sit with that fact a little bit because you may have heard me say that and, and thought immediately, well, duh. But no, it, it is something that we need to be mindful of, that the food that is in our environment, what I like to call food pollution, the sight and the smell prompts us towards both the consumption of higher calorie foods as well as other foods in general has been shown to result in more eating and has been shown to result in weight gain. So that kind gesture from a friend or acquaintance bringing yummy chocolates to the office, that actually over time is not only prompting you to consume in the moment, but conditioning you to this response of automated craving and wanting. And wow, to me, that's pretty powerful. It's really as if we are being hijacked by our environment. And really, it's a form of pollution, isn't it? I think so. But you know me, Dr. Adrian will never leave you without solutions because this information and all the information that I provide you on my podcast and book and blogs, it's not about doom or gloom. It's about knowledge. And when we know more, we can do more. Knowledge is power. I truly believe this. And it's the not knowing that gets us in trouble, right? So now that we know, what can we do? How can we get ahead of what seems like an incessant stream of food availability that really marks this time of year. The fact that we're inundated with food cues is certainly out of our control, but how we react to it, that is something else altogether. And the first step, you may have guessed it, is always, the first step is awareness. If we are not aware, then we stand no chance of interrupting the automatic reactions we have to our triggers. Any trigger. As I mentioned in my TED Talk last month, when we pause between our trigger and our reaction, between our desire and habitual response, that is where we can distinguish emotional hunger from physical hunger. That is where we can intercept that automaticity, that automated reaction, the reactivity that we experience to food triggers. And that, in that pause, 
is where we can truly know our needs and respond to our needs without or instead of reacting automatically. By the way, if you are interested in hearing my TED Talk, head over to dradrianudim.com, sign up for my newsletter. It should be coming out any day now, and I'm so excited to share it with you. So back to awareness. Once you've sharpened your antennas and given yourself the opportunity of awareness, the opportunity to tease out what is really going on for you in that moment, the urge, desire, craving, the fact that, again, you are totally hijacked into wanting that cookie. Remember, you were not even thinking hot chocolate chip cookie until your environment was polluted by it. You say to yourself, okay, I'm aware. I paused and I'm noticing what's going on for me. And in that moment, you have a choice. You have a choice in how you choose to react. So, okay, what if you've done that? Now you're aware, now you've paused, and still you really want that cookie. In fact, you feel like you want it so bad, you're like, I'm gonna crawl out of my skin if I don't eat that cookie. You know that kind of little hamster wheel we get into in our heads? It becomes like this obsessive, constant thought. I want the cookie. I want the cookie. And honestly, hell, you could have the cookie. It's, you know, I don't, I don't advocate for resisting um, with this tension. But I want you to see if you can try this experiment. It's an experiment. And to try it without frustration, without tension, without friction. I want you to try an experiment of sitting with your craving. Now, I get that the craving makes us feel like we want to crawl out of our skin. It primes us to react. And there's a reason for that. Cravings are created... Hunger, even if it's emotional or automated hunger, that perception of hunger is created to keep us safe and fed so we don't starve to death. Remember, we did not always have so much access and so much availability to food. So sights, smells will trigger hormones and neurotransmitters that make us act so that we don't starve. Cravings feel uncomfortable by design. But urges and cravings are like waves. So picture a wave in your mind. The craving will amplify, right? It will start to crescendo like a wave. And then ultimately it peaks, right? At that moment where you're like, the craving is so intense. But if you stay with it without fighting and just noticing, you notice that that wave, it crescendos, it peaks. But like all waves do, the craving will decrescendo. It will ease up and go away if we let them. 
Some experts say that a typical urge will last 20 minutes. Honestly, I'm not sure where that number came from. I don't know if that's data-driven or evidence-based, but I do know that it will pass some sooner than others, some later than others, but they will pass. And they will pass more easily and more quickly if we allow them to. That means not fighting it, not resisting the feeling. So how does this work? Once you're aware of the craving, you name it. You name it for what it is. And then you create some distance from it. So I always say these emotions, sadness, anger, frustration, craving, you can notice it. And you can, A, jump into the ring with it, get all wrapped up in it, or you can notice it and step back and just be with the feeling without getting all entangled and jumping in the ring with it. You can step back and observe. How does this feel? Notice the discomfort. Where do you feel it? Then take some deep breaths. That will help regulate your nervous system by activating the parasympathetic or rest and relax part of the nervous system, which will then turn out, turn down rather, the sympathetic or fight or flight part of the nervous system. When you do this, when you engage in a deep, slow breathing practice, you will notice that your heart rate will fall. Your blood pressure falls, whether you notice or not, when you do a deep breathing practice. Your respiratory rate or the number of breaths that you take per minute will fall. And when you down-regulate all of these physiologic processes, you then promote a sense of ease. Notice where you're holding any tension. In your body, usually we hold it in our eye, uh, in our eyebrows. So, actively drop your eyebrows. Notice your jaw. Is it clenched? Open your mouth and re release the tension in your jaw, so that you're holding your mouth slightly open. Check your shoulders. Are they shrugged up? Lift them and drop your shoulders down. Notice any areas that you may be feeling tension in your body and relax. Try and relax into these areas. And just sit. Sit with the feeling, reminding yourself that it may be uncomfortable, it may be painful, but as uncomfortable and painful as it will be, that it may be, you will not break from the feeling. And that in and of itself is empowering. To know that you can experience intense feelings, but that you will not break. And to allow them to pass with ease. You may not be successful the first time or first couple times around. But by doing these steps over and over, by attempting again and again, you build your resilience towards these activating cues. And you will train yourself essentially to be better able to let the feeling pass with ease 
more readily without acting upon them. So the lessons there are, one, be aware. Two, slow down and create pause between and space between you and the feeling. Three, engage in a surf meditation. Surf that craving wave and watch it escalate, peak, and relax. Now, there's something to be said for managing your environment. There's something else to be said for creating the environment that you need. Creating that environment by removing the triggers and by creating boundaries. You may decide that the constant barrage of visual and olfactory or smell cues are just too much and no one would blame you for that. And that you have to remove yourself from the situation by staying away from the break room or maybe having a conversation with coworkers and friends about what you what your needs are, what you're comfortable having in your workspace by giving away or even throwing away food gifts that don't serve you. And I know that may sound extreme and I can hear my uh, socially conscious and activist college age daughter in my head saying, oh, mom, you're recommending that people throw food away. That's such a waste. But hey, isn't it wasteful for you to consume foods that don't serve you? That's a form of waste too. So think about it. It may sound extreme, but think about areas and places in which you can create boundaries and create an environment that serves you. If you find yourself overindulging time and time again, despite your best intentions, because you are inundated by food cues, and then you find that that food makes you feel crummy, and then you are in this kind of habitual recurrent cycle, then you may just have to not be near those foods right now. And I know many people will say, just be moderate, be sensible, learn how to consume these foods, you know, in moderation. But you know what? There are times in our lives when we're in an unhealthy place with food and to be moderate is just not an option. To just eat one chip or to eat one piece is just not an option. That's not to say that it can't be done one day, but not if the triggers are getting the best of you on the regular. And there's no shame in that. Be proud of knowing yourself, knowing what you need, and doing what you need for you. I want to empower you with that. So just be aware be aware of the noise in our environment right now, especially during the holiday season. Be aware of what is really, in short, food pollution, the cues, the visual cues, the olfactory cues that scientifically we know have uh, been triggered or trigger us 
to react and to consume despite our best intentions. And use that knowledge to set the systems and the boundaries so that you don't react in a way that does not serve you, okay? Love you and love for you to take some of these practical um, guidance into your daily life. So that's all for today. If you love this episode and you want more of this kind of content, head over to dradrianudeem.com. Sign up for our newsletter and be the first to know when my TEDx goes live. You can also find additional resources, including my love letter to you, my book, Hungry for More. I am wishing you a happy and healthy week, and I look forward to seeing you right here next week on Health Bite. Until then.